you know, what is regenerative agriculture and why is it relevant um, mm -hmm. when it comes to human health, uh, climate health, um, you know, being a playing a role in reversing or balancing the climate, pulling carbon out of the atmosphere, putting it back into the soils. Hi, I'm Brilliant, your host for this show. I know that I'm incredibly blessed. As the son of self-made billionaires, I've seen the high price some people pay for success, and I've learned that money really can't buy happiness. But I've also had the good fortune to learn directly from many of the world's leading teachers. If you're ready to be, do, have, and give more, this podcast is for you. Whenever I get down and I worry about the future of this planet, nature, humanity, I am glad to know that people like Ryland Englehart, my guest today, exist. Ryland is one of only two guests in four years that I've interviewed for this podcast who is not an author, but he is an artist. He's a filmmaker, an activist, a teacher, an entrepreneur, and a philanthropist. He's a lover of people and of life. Ryland co-founded Kiss the Ground in his living room with a friend 10 years ago. It's a nonprofit organization that he leads today as executive director. Ryland is also the producer of the Kiss the Ground documentary and a host of the podcast by the same name. He's also co-owner and mission fulfillment officer, or formerly served as mission fulfillment officer of the nationally recognized plant-based restaurants, Cafe Gratitude and Gracias Madre, located in Southern California. And he's the co-creator of the documentary film, May I Be Frank. In this interview, we talk about a lot of great stuff. We discuss sacred commerce, using business as a force for good, the possibility of restoration and a regeneration economy, gaining a sense of optimism, for the future of the earth and humanity, how we can heal and regenerate the earth and ourselves. We discuss one of Ryland's strategies to deal with challenging moments and to avoid closing down or shrinking from difficulties. We talk about finding our thing, whatever it may be, and creating ways to express what we value. We discuss Ryland's sustainability efforts through Regenerate America, his latest initiative. We talk about building and solidifying habits related to creativity and writing. And we also talk about why Ryland and his dad got matching Be Love tattoos and why Ryland and his wife, Sarah, had a tattoo artist give those same tattoos as party favors at their wedding when they got married. So you can learn more about Ryland and the work he's doing at kisstheground.com. You can get involved or learn more at regenerateamerica.com. And you can find Ryland on some socials, Instagram and Twitter in particular, and maybe some more at lovebeingryland. With that, I hope you enjoy and benefit from and get involved in this possibility of regeneration with my new friend, Ryland Englehart. Ryland, welcome to the School for Good Living. Uh, thank you, Brilliant. I'm grateful to be here and grateful to be in the School of Good Living uh, in this present moment. It, it feels like uh, there's a rich space for uh learning and discovery and sharing so really grateful yes i think so will you tell me please what is life about mm. ah mm. yes um yeah uh I, this is gonna sound crazy um yeah it's about praising god <laughs> I mean, I, I, not in a fundamental, like, it's about, like, I, I've had that explicitly, like, those whispers come into my mind, 
but and I, I don't normally articulate it that but but praising like being in gratitude for um existence for life for um for those we love for the elements of nature for um yeah being able to experience um the beauty of this creation um and allowing ourselves to feel um the bigness of that and so yeah uh, what life is about is um connecting to the indwelling presence of love and being in the glory of praise of life that is being seen through the eyes of the heart wow. Yeah, <laughs> and I've never said that before. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks for thanks for bringing the school to me um, and and inviting the questions. Um, yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm 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 moved. I'm moved by your sharing. And how do you how do you go about that? How do you endeavor to live something that big? <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say mostly it's not that big and mostly it's not that explicit um but i think you know my my practice is um you know for almost 24 years has been to um show up and to remember uh that we are all a source of something what are we going to be a source of and remembering that i can be a source of love wherever I go. And that is, um, you know, how I endeavor to, uh, do that is to, um, yeah, to show up, um, look at how I can contribute, look at how I can serve, uh, look at what I can acknowledge, look at what I can be grateful for, um, uh, express affection, um, and kindness, um, and uh yeah and it's not it's not always easy it's not it's um and sometimes i i i know that um we i know i have amnesia to to what life is about um many 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 times a day and yeah. uh you know i i um me and my dad got tattoos on our arm that say be love uh, and that was maybe we got them maybe 18 or 20 years ago together in San Francisco after going to a, uh, a men's retreat in the Santa Monica mountains, uh, called the new warrior training. And, um, you know, the experience was, uh, sort of initiatic going from, um, this initiation of boyhood into manhood and taking that process in a, an intentional way um, you know, sort of, uh, from lineages of in indigenous, um, views and, and, and ways of being and, um, schools of thought. And, uh, and, uh, you know, part of that was these vision quests of envisioning what, um, you know, what animal spirit, uh, sounds silly, but, you know, what animal spirit is there with you or, um, or, or it was, and in the beginning, there was this, um, in the beginning, there was this spirit of the squirrel energy <laughs> and that was kind of, okay, <laughs> squirrel. Okay. Uh, and then at the end, there was this image of this shining bear 
Um, mm-hmm. And that was the, the spirit of, you know, being the shining bear and kind of the inquiry of the, the conversation was um, uh, what, you know, in, inside of this initiation, uh, what is the masculine way of being um, that you're going to bring to the world? Um, and it was in that moment that it be, this, this idea of being love became really crystallized and distilled and sort of clear. Um, and as a commitment, as, as a way of being, and, you know, we oftentimes think of love more as feminine nurturing. Um, and yet there was this clear uh, distinction of um, a masculine expression of love being, um, you know, being able to walk through the world as a, a, an embodiment and a source of that presence of love. And, uh, and I even saw the, 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 the tattoos on my arm. I, I knew that that was what I was supposed to do and that there was, um, it, was it was sort of like a reminding me what life is about because I knew that like Memento, we'd have a fishbowl um, yeah. or, or, or <laughs> an, a quick amnesia of what it, the, the, the deep important things are. And so how could I, um, how could I remind myself perennially uh, to, to, to walk remembering. And so, um, you know, that became really, you know, my, my dad's farm became beloved farm. Um, you know, it became the culture of cafe gratitude in the early days was, you know, being love. That was sort of the business culture of how we were serving our guests and how we were serving as an organization was a culture of being love. And, you know, there was even talks of, you know, we were a cult and you had to get the be love tattoo to be into it. Uh, and, you know, I, I can see how people could see that sometimes, but, you know, from, from where I was looking from, it wasn't, <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's, that's great. I understand that that tattoo was something that you basically gave as a gift at a wedding too. Is that right? I, oh yeah. I forgot that part. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, me and my wife uh, got married uh, 12 years ago on Beloved Farm, and um, which is in Northern California in uh, Pleasant Valley near Vacaville, uh, between Sacramento and uh, San Francisco, and it's a regenerative, organic uh, fruits and vegetable farm uh, that my dad and stepmom have been running for about 20 years. And just jump in and ask: Can people visit? Do you do tours? Or- yeah, um, it's. Um, it it, it 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 it's actually um it, it it you can do tours my dad loves doing tours it's one of his favorite joys is to sort of tour people around the farm and give them the awakening of what is possible with regenerative agriculture um but actually beginning of next year they're moving to idaho um and yeah. so they've transitioned the property they've sold the property to some new owners who are doing mm-hmm. some other beautiful work and will could maintain it as be love farm. Um, so, uh, but people can check out belovefarm.com. You can go and check out the farm store. You can go get a tour. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing, uh, gem of creation. Right on. Well, thanks for letting me interject, but okay. So back to the story, 12 years ago, your wife. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we're getting married at be love farm. Uh, you know, it was a big sort of, uh, community wedding, probably 300 people, um, under, uh, uh, you know, under an, a, a tent. Cause there, my parents lived in a yurt for the first 10 years of the, on the property. They, they li- had an outdoor kitchen. They cooked every meal outside. They lived in wow. a yurt. 
Um, and so we had a 300 person wedding without a house to support. Um, wow. We ended up doing the dishes because we didn't hire for 300 people the next day. That's another story. But the, the tattoos, I had two, I had a friend who was an amazing tattoo artist uh, and, and, and graffiti artist named Ches One. And I asked him, we just had the insight, like, instead of having um, a chintzy, you know, kind of like shampoo bottle with like Sarah and Ryland's love forever, you know, we, we thought, why don't we have um, people can have a memory and a commitment of this way of being, being love, and we could initiate this sort of cultural um, commitment to a way of being as a collective, as a community. And so we were giving free tattoos at the, as the party favor uh, at the wedding for, um, for a wedding. Uh, I, I still think it was a brilliant idea. My wife, <laughs> but um, anyways, it, it, it was, uh, I think like probably 70 or 80 people signed up to be on the list. I think we only got maybe 25 or 30 people ended up getting wow. the tattoos. Um, we had two tattoo editors working for maybe six hours giving tattoos. Holy cow. It's um, pretty cool. Yeah. That reminds me of that thing about the breakfast to the pigs and the chickens <laughs> contribute differently, right? What is it that the, the chickens contribute, but the pig is committed? Oh, wait, I've never heard that story. Oh, you heard that, right? Uh-huh. No. So anybody who comes to a wedding and leaves with a tattoo, like that's a... That's a commitment right there. <laughs> yeah, super, super commitment. Super, That's cool. Super. Well, good. Well, well, right before, right before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about what you're up to and uh, not a lot about your life journey. I hope to explore a bit of that here. But you used a couple words that I might need to go look up. <laughs> a trophic cascade of something. Tell me about what is this? And I suspect it probably connects very directly to Regenerate America. Maybe we can jump in there. Yeah, no, I think I think maybe before Regenerate America kissed the ground because I think okay, that's, um, take me through it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, kiss the ground is um, a, a nonprofit that um, I founded with uh, a good dear friend uh, about ten years ago in my living room uh, in Venice when we were opening the Cafe Gratitude there, and really what it was, what it is, was I, at the time, was, you know, living in Los Angeles, running a plant-based vegan restaurant, felt like I was on the the cutting edge of sustainability, you know, um, paper straws and compostable cups and, you know, know, no plastic bottles in our grab-and-go and, and, you know, compost um, and, you know, organic food, and that this was the apex of sort of the, the North star of where we needed to go as a society and as a civilization, if we wanted a inhabitable planet in the future. And um, I was invited to go to New Zealand um, to speak at a conference called the Healthy Living Conference in Auckland. And basically I gave a talk on sacred commerce, which was the business philosophy of Cafe Gratitude and my folks wrote a couple books and they created some workshops and I was sort of the, the next gen of, you know, leading those workshops and sharing those distinctions um, with, you know, community, with, you know, our employees, with um, the culture that was built, built around Cafe Gratitude. And so when I was there, I, I found myself in uh, a audience of a panel discussion called Can Human Beings 
sustain life on planet Earth. And basically, five of the six experts said no, um, that we can't, that we're heading into the Anthropocene, um, we're heading into the sixth mass extinction, um, and it's much worse than uh, most people uh, led on to. And, um, you know, it was a very sobering conversation and it was like a, 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 a sort of like lightning bolt of attention. Um, but then what came right after that sort of conversation of hopelessness and despair and sort of apathy um, was a conversation that I'd never heard before. And that was one about soil and uh, just the profound life, the web of life that is in soil and that the essentially soil is this remarkable sponge, this um, skin of the earth. It's called the ecstatic skin of the earth because it's this 25% of all the biodiversity on the planet lives in this uh, living, you know, six to 12 inches of topsoil, you know, that, 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 that covers the planet. And and, you know, essentially, again, I, I thought I knew all about organic agriculture, the reasons for it. But what was connected in that moment was that the way that we manage land, agriculture, for the most part, could go from arguably the most destructive system on the planet, which is what we know, like chemicals, waterways, tillage, um, you know, uh, destroying biodiversity, you know, fungicides, herbicides, pesticides, um, all these things that have all these downstream effects. Uh, and yet we, we, we had never seen the picture in front of us that soil is this beautiful storage shed that could actually hold all the excess carbon that's in the atmosphere. And that the way we could harness that carbon back into the ground could actually be the way that we're landscaping and managing and doing agriculture around the planet. And that essentially every leaf blade of, blade of grass, every tree could play a role in sipping that carbon out of the atmosphere, putting it safely down into the soil. And by doing so, we could glue the soil back together, make healthier, more productive farming systems with less inputs, make farmers have more money and be able to sell clean, healthy, nutrient-dense food. And I was like, wait, how am I the health food, raw food, health nut evangelist? And I have no idea about this opportunity of soil and agriculture being a, a, a restoration economy, a regeneration economy that we can actually go from not just like slowing the car down, going off the cliff slowly, we can actually turn the car around and create more life, more productivity, more natural beauty on the planet in seven generations forward than is today. And like, and, and a framework to, to actually see that that's possible, being that I, I was just in the framework of total apathy, total hopelessness, total like we're effed. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh my God, like it was, it was literally, you know, I, I can tell that you've, you've been around the block a few times as far as like in, 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 in sort of environments where you have these awakening moments of clarity. And it was literally like a, 
a, a, a 10 sun explosion of, you know, my, my third eye where you got the mosquito bite that's showing your third eye. Um, And, and, and essentially it was like, Oh my God, this is, this is like, I, I saw, and I said this earlier, you know, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. I could see the way forward. I could see something uh, that there was a new distinction that made uh, life in the future better healing and restored. And I just, there was no framework in my mind with all the sustainability language and application and practice. I, it, it, it didn't, I didn't see a future where healing and restoration and regeneration was possible. And so when I saw that for the first time, I mean, it was, it was huge. Like it was, it was like, ah, like it was, it was like, you could say, you could, you could say it was like somebody going from an atheist or not having any, to like having an experience of, you know, the divine and being like, Oh my, this is, Oh my God, this is what it's all about. Um, And so I just, uh, this guy, Graham said, I just glommed onto him and it was like, tell me more. Like, what do you, you know? And so I, I, I approached him. I, you know, I went to his talk the next day. I then ended up, you know, inviting him to come to Los Angeles. And I started just putting him in front of audiences that like the most influential audiences that I could find and, 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 and started to build this awakening around regenerative agriculture. So that ended up, you know, turning into a working group that turned into a nonprofit with a mission of how do we awaken the world to that regeneration is possible. Our mission is people are awakened to the possibilities of regeneration. Um, and then back to your point of uh, trophic cascade, um, uh, you know, I know you mostly have authors on here and I sort of somehow got, got slipped <laughs> through the crack. Um, but, I, you know, I, I would say that my role has been a, a creative catalyst. I'm a catalyst for, for ideas to become um, crystallized and turned into stories um, yeah. that touch people. And I've done that through movies um, and I've done that through, um, you know, through a restaurant uh, and bring, you know, a restaurant and bring community into spaces um, and events. Uh, but um, so, yeah, so, so essentially uh, a trophic cascade is a term, which is in an ecosystem, you have keystone species, sharks to coral reefs, bison to prairie grasslands, uh, wolves also to prairie gra- grasslands, uh, beavers to you know watersheds and river. Um, so you have these certain creatures that if they're playing their role in an ecosystem, their role doesn't just create improvements for them, they create a trophic cascade all through the ecosystem. There becomes this uh, life-giving ripple that goes out through the ecosystem um, and that creates, um, you know, a continuum of more, of more life potential. And wow. so regeneration is a concept that's based on um, trophic cascades and human beings, regenerative agriculture and human beings can actually play a role in shifting the paradigm of what's happening on a piece of land based on how it's being managed such that you have these actions that then create more ripple effect actions of um, this trophic cascade. Mm. 
Well, thank you for, thank you for taking me back to the kiss to ground and, you know, this kind of awakening. Uh, and I can tell, <laughs> I think anyone watching or anyone listening can tell that, you know, the depth of this for you and the truth, not only in how animated and passionate you are now, but the fact that, you know, 10 years later, <laughs> you're still doing it is you've organized your life around it, you know, and, and it's a, a beautiful possibility. And this thing that you're saying about, you know, kind of these five pessimists, <laughs> these five experts, that's all you need to say, who are saying, yeah. nope, we're all screwed. It's too late. Nothing can be done. Yeah. I think that is the prevailing worldview for many people now is there we're all screwed and there's nothing we can do about it. Right. And so it's this, I think this sense of learned helplessness, but uh, aside from this kind of conversion experience, this awakening experience that I would say you were fortunate to have now, granted you put yourself in a situation to do it and you've acted on it and so forth. What can we do? Like, what can we as individuals do to combat this like creeping sense? I think many people have, of we're all screwed and, and it's hopeless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Some many days <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, but you know, I, I think for me, uh, it's in conversations that I become alive. Um, mm. It's sharing something that uh, sharing some transformation, some new possibility that we intimately experience uh, that we know in our bones um, because when we share it, we know it. You know, I, I can tell in some of your language that you've done some of the landmark education curriculum, I'm, I'm guessing. It's, yeah. um, but, you know, th it, there is something so real about, you know, when we share um, a, an experience of transformation with another, um, that experience becomes enlivened and real for us. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that, um, yeah, that, that, and I'm, I'm just present to it now and, and I'm becoming more animated and more excited about my mission than I yeah. was three hours ago in given yeah. the opportunity that I'm sharing about it um, versus just thinking about it or, you know, um, you know, delegating tasks about it. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, continuing to do things, um, that, uh, bring transformation and, um, and, 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 and have us pushing up against our discomfort and, 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 and breaking through. Like I, I, pro I have you ever interviewed, uh, Colin O'Brady? No, I don't know Colin. Uh, do you, have you heard his name or no? No, I'm not familiar. He, he's an amazing kind of uh, explorer and human potentialist who's like does, you know, climbs Mount Everest, climbs the next mountain next to her, the, you know, the following, you know, he's like, he's done the most, in, he's, he's rode across, you know, between Antarctica and South and the, 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 the South Africa unassisted. Wow. He's walked solo across Antarctica on a, a solo ascent. And he just wrote a book called The 12 Hour Walk. Um, and it's basically about, um, when we can, um, yeah, when, when we can put ourselves in situations where we, uh, confront our fears and step, lean into the discomfort, um, we experience, uh, aliveness and breakthrough. And, you know, I recently did the 12 hour walk 
up the Sespe Creek. And it was, uh, it was beautiful. I, I really, um, I, I experienced, I saw how, um, as I'm getting older, I'm 42 years old and I'm starting to, um, you know, sort of, um, bolster myself from fear or threat or, um, uh, you know, discomfort. And, um, and this was like me breaking out of that, you know, walking 12 hours unassisted up, a, you know, a stream bed, uh, up into the wilderness and, um, knowing that, you know, there was something at risk. I could sprain my ankle and, you know, it was, it was, um, and, 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 and fall or, you know, and, and there was just, you know, all these layers of fear that I had to push up against. And I just really saw for myself that, um, th that ultimately, you know, we, we, we are, we're going to be afraid of, um, life and what's coming at us. And we can either sort of, um, position ourselves so we don't have to fa face it and we can live in, um, you know, the, 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 the discomfort of avoiding those things, which just ultimately creates a subtle um, anxiety. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we just live in that state of subtle anxiety and, and, and sort of numbness. Or the, the only other option is to, to lean into the discomfort and, and, and kind of feel the grating edge of that. But ultimately, that's where we find um, the aliveness of, um, of, of this life. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I can't remember the, the question that you had yeah, asked, so, which. Yeah. So I'll bring us back to that because yeah. I want to, I want to kind of double click on some of what you're saying. So the question that, that led to that was about how can we as individuals oh, yes, yes. kind of live in this world, yeah. <laughs> uh, and kind of overcome this sense of we're all screwed, right? This stuff is way too big for me. I'm powerless. Maybe it doesn't matter anyway. And so what I was hearing you say, number one, was um, this about connecting. Well, what I was hearing was this about aliveness, like finding in conversation and sharing like with other people yes. and being shared with, right? Yes. So there's this sense of connection and, and we might call that finding your tribe or sharing your truth or, or signing, right? Yeah. Which there's not a simple prescription for that, yeah. but we all can do it. And then this other thing that I'm hearing is about basically like leaning into discomfort, accepting challenge, accepting, maybe even seeking out adversity, not just kind of getting in the fetal position when life gets hard and things seem overwhelming, but actually facing the challenge that, that life presents. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pulling, pulling those towards you, um, putting yourself in those challenging, you know, having challenging conversations, like pulling that towards you um, because ultimately Otherwise, we're just going to become sort of um, wrapped in the sort of safety and the stagnation of the other, um, yeah. which ultimately I've experienced as just subtle lived um, anxiety and then anxiety with um, sort of cynicism and resignation and, yeah. and then, you know, apathy. and. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, today, I, you know, today was the difficult day I shared a little bit earlier, but you know, I, I went for a run. I, I, I put myself in a movement. I was like, all right, I got to move my body, um, get in action. 
um, to, 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 to allow for me to not sort of close down and, you know, continue the, um, the shrinking that can oftentimes come when we're confronted by challenging moments and, and fear. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so, 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 so seeking those things out, stepping into those, um, you know, challenging moments, um, and, you know, and, and, and also being honest and asking for help. Um, you know, I, I think that's, uh, another, you know, one that's so difficult, so, so difficult is, uh, asking for help. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, whether it's intimately asking for help and asking for, you know, answers within our own being or asking for help from, you know, those around us. Um, and then, you know, really the, you know, the, I think when we're in service to something other than ourselves, and, you know, obviously we've heard this a thousand times, but when we're, um, when we're contributing something, so find a way to serve, find a way to contribute, uh, find a way to be, uh, uh, creatively self-expressed, you know, singing for, for instance, like I, um, you know, when me and my wife sing, I can be in a terrible, terrible kind of, you know, kind of stuck, can't articulate my challenge, can't articulate where I'm at. Um, and to, to be able to sing back to the question of singing praise, you know, songs mm-hmm. of praise, um, you know, that's an amazing, amazing um, thing that has come as a, a lifeline at moments of just being able to sing um, wow. and harmonize. Uh, but I, I think j- j- just to the, to the, to the topic at hand of regeneration and sort of the condition of the world, um, uh-huh. you know, I, I think to have a, a picture, um, and a vision of something else is possible is important. So we need to find, you know, we need to find, uh, writers, uh, movies, uh, poem, poems that, that, that actually can have us uh, go beyond, you know, what we're seeing in our, in our view so that we can see a, a different view so that we can live into that future that we're living into versus, you know, the, the doom and gloom, you know, reality that is oftentimes closing in upon us coming from many, many, many places of communication, um, you know, whether it's media or Instagram feed, whatever that is. Um, so again, not to be uh, shamelessly self-promoting, but Kiss the Ground, uh, the film that I produced was the, 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 you know, my intention was like, how do I give that hopeful, optimistic awakening to mm-hmm. the most people? Because if we all knew there was a, a horizon of hope, we'd start creatively aligning and creatively organizing around that. Um, and so that's why, you know, I'm, I'm still so excited about regeneration, kiss the ground, because, you know, we're all about awakening people to this new vision of what's possible. Um, yep. And then allowing for the ingenuity of the human spirit to start to organize and create. And again, there's a lot, you know, we're one little, um, you know, grain of, you know, we're one sprout that's expressing this and, you know, hoping that our sprout can, you know, touch more sprouts or one candle lighting. Um, there's many people that are expressing similar 
uh, messages. I think we even connected originally through the Sadhguru connection and Save Soil Initiative, which, you know, was yeah. like, you know, I've been, you know, connected with him through different moments over the last maybe eight years. And, you know, I knew he was doing the rally for rivers thing in tree planting in India. Um, but I, I didn't see the, 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 the super focus on soil. And then, you know, um, to see him sort of take that on and yeah. go huge um, was like, oh, my God, this is this yeah. is, you know, this is, again, the, you know, the many uh, flares of like the message coming out in different ways, um, which but but confirming a similar um, you know, problem, but also solution, um, yeah. of, of, of regeneration. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. One of the things that I want to ask you about here is how, cause again, like, and what I, okay. So the kind of behind the scenes on the interview strategy here was both hearing your story and learning from you, which yep. personally I'm interested in listeners will get, uh, I hope, but simultaneously, having a little bit of instruction or even advice for people listening who are maybe not as clear on what is their cause, what is their message. And there's so much need in the world and so many things we could attach ourselves to and devote our time and energy and resources to and so forth. So the, one of the things that I heard you say in your interview with Rich Roll that I thought was really beautiful, and, and I might not have this word exact, but you said something about, I think you, you were talking about when, when you and your dad uh, opened a restaurant. Right. And I think you used the words, we, we wanted to find a way to be who we said we were in the world. And the restaurant was like the vehicle. That was a way mm. that you were clear. You had done enough introspection and, and, and whatever reflection to know what you valued and, and what you were committed to. But then you went and, and, and opened a restaurant as a, a means of being who you said you were. So that's where I want to tie. So I kind of want to check in with you and see if I've got that right. And have you talk a little bit about that, but as you do, if you will, yes. see if there's a, like a, something you could offer the listener and how they might find their equivalent of that. It's mm. a great question. Um, so the first part was, um, and I don't actually exactly remember uh, saying, I, I, I appreciate what, I may have said, um, but I, I don't exactly remember it uh, that way. But, um, you know, that the restaurants were, um, you know, we, we weren't a, um, yeah, we were, we, 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 we had a, we had a mission and, and a way of being that we were, and we wanted to express that mission um, through, something that the world could experience and people could come through a door and feel our values, feel our love. Uh, you know, the, the, the premise of the, of cafe gratitude was this premise of sacred commerce. Can we create the awakening of love in a enterprise, in a business and, and can our business. Right just, just, sorry to, 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 to jump in. Uh, yeah. I love the power of a question, right. To focus you and direct you in a certain way. And that, right. Um, that's just beautiful that you actually had that as a conscious inquiry and then you acted the answer into reality. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that, I mean, and, 
you know, that, that it was, it's been a 20, a 20 year experiment of, you know, cafe gratitude, sacred commerce has gone through many, many, many iterations. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think your, your question was, you know, um, there's many things we could be doing. How do we find our thing? How do we find our calling? How do we find our, um, thing to serve? And, um, yeah, again, I, I don't, I don't have a, a, a prescription for that. Um, uh, other than, um, you know, m the way that I, I I've gone about it is, um, is, is fully committing to things and in experiencing like jumping full on in, in the, in the pool with something <laughs> and seeing if this is it. Um, because I know that we can kind of, uh, we can kind of toe dip and mm -hmm. um, sort of want to just a la carte think life. And in turn, I think, and I've experienced this myself, we actually never fully, ex we never become fully enveloped in something. So we mm -hmm. never feel the aliveness and the, 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 the all in on something, which in yeah. turn, um, you know, we don't, we never know if, if it's it. Um, so, you know, the, you know, I have a distinction, uh, I, I married my wife, um, and I, 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 the, the, the distinction that emerged that had me marry my wife was the search is over. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's powerful. Right. And is this like something that what I might call an awareness? Was it like you met this woman and then this was something you knew you became aware of, or was it a declaration you made to yourself or like, I mean, tell me a little bit more about that distinction. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it actually came, um, you know, and I, I'm guessing you probably have had these kinds of conversations on this podcast, but it, it came, um, in a, uh, a plant medicine ceremony, um, mm -hmm. of drinking, you know, ayahuasca and, mm -hmm. um, and she was laying next to me and it was her 24th birthday. And, um, you know, we had been together for probably a year as boyfriend and girlfriend. And, um, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't like the, the main, I wasn't, I didn't go into the ceremony, like give me an answer on no. if this should, um, really what was, what was communicated through the communication of the inner worlds of, um, that medicine was seeing uh, that the journey of separation to oneness um, and unity experience consciousness mm -hmm. um, could be experienced and found through um, the masculine or, 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 or through two people, you know, in this case, masculine and feminine coming together um, in um, union and essentially that two becoming one within mm -hmm. marriage was the, was the modeling, the metaphor and the architecture of this practical in the world um, uh, experience of two becoming one and mm -hmm. two becoming one, not just like marriage, but two becoming one, like individuate individuation and individuality into mm -hmm. unity. And that, um, and that that was 
what was being called as sort of the the spiritual journey of uh, uh, that was that was being asked was to step into that journey of um, unity consciousness through the practice of surrendering uh, to uh, this 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 experience of um, partnership in in marriage and so the and 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 the experience was i even was visually in the experience where i was in a an ocean of uh of, of eternal space that was this experience of love and i was there in, in the water of this experience and i was inviting her to um to join me um and the beautiful thing, there was a complete non-attachment because I was already in love. I was mm -hmm. already in the experience of love and I was inviting her to experience post this, you know, uh, expanded state of consciousness experience. Um, and, but, but, but there was a total unattachment. And so I actually leaned over to her. Oh, so the, so the experience, so what I was, I, I heard was the search is over love like you're already you're already in a sea of love there is no um you know it, 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 there is no um you know will this work like there's no like surface mind idea that will have a surety that this is going to work forever or if it was just like uh you are in the sea of love and you can commit to bringing that sea of love to this relationship and that can be part of your spiritual journey. Um, and, and the, the search is over was touching and tasting and experiencing that, that, um, that presence of eternal love. Um, and, and, and then that, that to com the commitment was, um, to know that our journey together of practicing, uh, living in that unified state um, was going to be the, the, the journey forward in life. And so I, 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 I leaned over to her and said, you know, would you marry me? And she was like, you know, in a, in a totally different state. Uh, and I was, you know, I was cognizant that I was like, I know you think I'm tripping because I am, but um, I, I'm clear about this. And, wow. um, and so that was, that was the theme of our wedding. The search is over love. Um, and you know, we've, we've just celebrated our 12 years and, um, mm -hmm. it's again, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a present to the beauty and the commitment and the journey. Um, mm -hmm. and it's even more alive and real in having this conversation, sharing it with you. I I'm present to my love for my wife more so maybe than I was, you know, two hours ago because yeah. I wasn't in the sharing of, the richness of that experience and that commitment. Ah, that's beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, again, remembering that we got on that thread of conversation from the question of how can people find, you know, I might say find their calling or create a vehicle for them to do the work they're meant to do or something like that in a way that you have done with your, you know, with, with cafe gratitude and, and so forth. And what I was hearing you say was this about this thing about full commitment, that it's not, you're not a dabbler. I mean, you might try many things, but what you give yourself to, you're committed to like your, your marriage here and making a declaration that any one of us can do 
at any moment that we can declare a possibility or a purpose for our lives and live into it. And I think, and maybe this is, maybe I'm complicating this, but what I was really hoping to highlight, because I thought, you know, I think your life might be this example of where many people will get advice, like follow your passion. And if you haven't found it yet, just try a bunch of things until you do. And maybe that's good advice for some people, but for others, it's like, no, that's not it. But instead recognizing that we can actually create something like it might be an organization. It might be a startup. It might be a nonprofit. You know, it might be a religion. Who knows that we can create something. We don't just need to like try a bunch of things, trial and error. We can actually create something as a vehicle for the expression of what we value, Mm -hmm. because that's what I see you've done through the film, you know, through um, what you're now doing with Regenerate America, which (laughs) I want to be sure to ask about before we end. Oh man, we're, we're already an hour in almost. Amazing. But maybe, maybe you can respond to that about if there's anything there that comes up. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's not something that I typically give advice on, but I'm just in this, in the presence of the now moment and the question, um, I, I can see where in anything that I've had success in, it really has been, um, yeah, where I've, I, I've, given um long term committed effort and um you know i you know whether it was you know the film i made may i be frank i don't know if you've heard of that i made yeah. a film called may i be frank um but that took 7 years to make so i i think for me it's you know when you have uh when you have a strike of inspiration like it's here's the here's the perfect metaphor i've never said this before so basically imagine that you are in the wilderness for the first time and it's it's and and you need to survive and it's cold and you don't have matches but you have essentially flint and steel to make a spark and essentially what I'm seeing is the thing that I've been, you know, blessed and had the fortitude or whatever gave me the, the insight to do this was like, when you have a strike of inspiration, you know, put the right kindling, like, like when you, when you have, when you, when you feel something that is like, wow, like that is real. That needs to happen. I'm inspired. Like, make sure that you uh, get your community, your family, you know, people around you to support that vision because it, it can go out as quickly as it turned on. But if we, if we put the right, um, you know, if we put the right, you know, easily burnable, supportive things around that spark, we can, we can capture that spark and turn it into something that can grow and grow and grow. But I think, um, you know, that, that's one, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that's been kind of my, um, I, I think just whatever my, my genius is like, when I have an idea, I let everyone know about it and, and, and get everyone excited about it so that I know it might go out within me within the 24 hours. But if I got, 12 people around me that are excited about it, 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 it essentially will reflect back to me in a moment when I have amnesia and I'm forgetting that it was a good idea or it was the thing to do. And so um, 
I, I think that really has been, you know, if I look at the, the film, may I be frank, never having any experience making a film, spending seven years doing that to getting that to fruition, um, you know, uh, bringing Cafe Gratitude from the Bay Area, sort of, you know, 1.0 version, hippy dippy style to like, you know, a major institution in Southern California with, you know, seven locations and, you know, millions of me meals served. Uh, you know, it was like um, in enrolling a community around the idea because me as an individual, I I'd get snuffed out, I'd get uninspired. Um, but having, you know, enough people reflecting that, that luminosity of that idea and the conviction of that idea so that, um, you know, it, 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 it could grow and it could cultivate and turn into, you know, something, something real. Wow. That's really cool. Thank you for, for sharing that. Cause that was not a, that was not an answer I was expecting, but, um, I think it's highly, it's both practical and it's wise you know, and it's something people can do. Like it goes back to what you were saying about asking for help. I mean, people might not, that might not occur for people is asking for help, but basically like sharing with people or enrolling them. Hey, tell me what you think about this. And would you be willing to take on some part of it? Or do you want to get involved in some way? And yeah. I can see, I can see that. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think, I think people know the sort of talking point of um, you know, teach the thing you want to learn, right? We've, we've, we've heard that a thousand times, mm -hmm. um, uh, or maybe we haven't, but, um, but, but, but essentially, um, you know, when we're sharing, um, when we're sharing an idea, we, we articulate it more, we refine it more, it gets sharpened, it gets, um, and so, um, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and again, it gets more kindling, gets more yeah. creativity, um, and so it has greater volume and it has greater momentum. So, um, yeah, I think that's that if I, if I look that I can see that that is how anything that I, I, I've created, it has been through, um, that, uh, catalyzing a community around an idea that then, um, has enough stability within the community. It's just, it's not just living with me to where yeah. it can actually grow into something real. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, maybe that is then the perfect segue to what you're doing with Regenerate America, because, um, you know, I don't pay much attention to legislation, <laughs> what's going on with agricultural policy, you know, yet I know at some abstract level, it affects my life probably more than I know, you know, and this kind of thing. And I'm sure I'm not atypical. This is most people probably, but you've gotten involved in a pretty big way. Tell me what you're doing. Yeah. So you know, I think I, I spoke at some pretty abstract and sort of philosophical layers of regeneration. I'm actually wearing a shirt that says degeneration, sustainability crossed out. We need regeneration. Um, so essentially, um, regenerative agriculture is an agriculture that goes beyond just organic or sustainable. It's about a, a, a way that we're growing food, fiber or fuel in a way where the ecosystem, the soil, the ground, the land, the farm, the ranch is actually getting uh, more productive, more healthy, um, more organic matter in the soil, more biodiversity of species of life. Um, uh, water can infiltrate, carbon has being sequestered. Um, so it's essentially how 
producing um, producing things while the land that produced those things is actually increasing its carrying capacity, increasing its ecosystem services. So, um, and that's a sort of a big concept to get because we mostly think of, you know, the, the standard thinking is you, you grow a crop, you've taken something from that system that's going to market and essentially at, at a certain point that land will need to be put back fallow and so that it can recover. Um, and so regeneration is thinking about, you know, the beginning and the end at the same time of like, how do we have this system get healthier while we're producing um, something that can go to market? And yeah. so that if I, sorry to just jump in right there, I just yeah. want to point out as you're talking, like, as I'm hearing what you're sharing now, this is almost a foreign, foreign concept. Like what I'm hearing you say, but like our whole entire economy basically is built on extraction <laughs> and consumption. And the yes. idea that that act of production could actually generate more life than it took is like not even, I think, an idea, not even in the realm of possibility for most of us. That's right. It really, it really is a, it's a paradigm shifting idea that yeah. really um, changes the game of again back to that apathy of well if we're get if we're growing in population we're extracting more resources ultimately there's just an end in sight like it's just there's no way around that um and it's a zero-sum game yes yeah. yes so um so again why i'm so excited about the concept of regeneration is it really is a new paradigm and not a new because there's many, um, you know, historical indigenous place-based land-based cultures that understood a, a, a relationship of reciprocity, a relationship of they are part of a system um, where their participation creates more productivity, whether it was here in California and, you know, how there would be intentional burning of, you know, the, 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 the lower story in, you know, um, these grasslands or these forests and to, to create clarity, clearing so more animal life and more, more small grasses could come up such there was more productivity for the deer. Um, and ultimately, you know, there's this total web of life that, you know, certain key actions that humans could do that would create, um, again, more life, more, more potential in this environment could take place based on, you know, a, a few key actions. So there's like this historical reference point for regeneration. And then there's a, a, a modern science, holistic management, pioneering farmers and ranchers, permaculture, you know, all these different, you know, approaches that are sort of converging on similar ideas that, um, you know, how do we manage, uh, you know, it's like the idea that more cows on less land moved more frequently could create more forage such that you could have more cows the next year. Like, it, you know, it's, 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 it's almost like that doesn't make sense, but on, on some level, again, there's this, you know, dynamic of nature where you have you know, herds of grass eating animals that are being moved intentionally around landscapes 
And the more of them that you have, you have more poop and pee, you have more hoof prints, and you have um, more integration of their poop and pee and the, 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 that igniting latent seed beds such that you can have more and more forage or more and more grass coverage year after year, which in turn leads to more and more calories and more and more consumption for more cows to be able to be managed on that, on that plot of land. So um, I, I know we got kind of in the grass and the weeds um, <laughs> yeah. with, with regeneration, but um, it is, it, it definitely is a, um, a paradigm shift for the majority of people that we, that there is this potential of regeneration that is before us um, and that agriculture and soil and ecosystems being, you know, a, a clear place to apply and start learning this, th these philosophical principles and practices. Um, but you know, the, 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 for those that haven't seen the kiss the ground film, highly recommend it. We've, I think there's 10 million views on this documentary on Netflix. Um, uh, you know, it's one over 50 film festivals. It's being used all around the world to communicate, you know, what is regenerative agriculture and why is it relevant, um, mm -hmm. when it comes to human health, uh, climate health. Um, you know, being a playing a role in reversing or balancing the climate, pulling carbon out of the atmosphere, putting it back into the soils. Um, and so, you know, again, kiss the ground. We've been an advocacy and education and storytelling nonprofit. We've told we've created over 60 short forms, pieces of media, um, then, you know, leading with the spearhead of the kiss the ground film on Netflix. Um, and, you know, over 10 years, we've seen a tremendous adoption of the understanding of regeneration from the early adopters. We, you know, we, we think probably maybe 5% of the population is understanding or has heard of and understands regenerative agriculture um, as, a, as a term, maybe at a at pretty surface level understanding. Um, but, you know, we, we see that there's an opportunity to, um, to, to, go, to go further, to, to, take, to take us to a tipping point, because we see that really there's, what I learned in that first moment, there's not a more profound solution than having nature work on behalf of balancing nature. And um, it's, you know, the most economical, um, there's 500 million years of research and development that nature, nature's technology has been designing of how to, how to create a, a balancing act. Because we've had, you know, uh, whether it's, volcanoes erupting or comets hitting we've had moments where there was way too much greenhouse gases to where the yeah. planet was unlivable and it was photosynthesis that was the driver that brought um life back into a homeostasis a balance to where life can happen in the way that we know it so mm -hmm. it's not it's not some new idea it's literally the the thing that's made life in a balanced way it's just humans intentionally serving that function uh, versus uh, going against nature and sort of destroying that function. Um, so anyways, we've, we've, we've made some headway in awareness around regeneration, regenerative agriculture. Um, and we thought, well, what's the most hopeful or helpful thing that we could do as an organization? And really what we came up with um, based on my partner's been, you know, since the beginning of Kiss the Ground, Finney and Makepeace has been really passionate about, you know, how, how do we change policy? Because, you know, that ultimately changes, you know, the, 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 the fabric, the systems of how everything is done. 
you know, whether yeah. it's our seatbelts being put on certain speed limits that we um, abide by, you know, those are all kind of background things that we don't think about, but yet, you know, they uphold a certain layer of architecture, infrastructure, and dictation of how things get done. Um, and so, you know, the, the thought was, can we create, you know, we, we've created a lot of momentum and awareness. Could we specifically take that, our storytelling and our sort of community building to put a large group of um, organizations and brands together uh, in a coalition and use that collective voice and strength to essentially um, communicate um, strategically as well as, you know, getting this, this coalition to use their, their, their ability to gather all of their audiences together to put enough pressure and enough awareness to um, congressional um, leaders to change policy at the 2020, in the 2023 Farm Bill, um, which ultimately, for those that don't know, essentially the Farm Bill happens every five to seven years, and it's a bundle of legislation that goes from you know, um, food stamps and food nutrition programs, um, which about 44 million homes depend on nutritional, um, nu nu nutritional uh, support programs. Um, I think it's now called, it's called SNAP. Um, and, and then, so it's about 80% uh, dollars, $850 billion goes to that. Um, and then about 20% goes to uh, agriculture, ag subsidies, crop insurance, incentives, um, conservation programs, uh, grants to farmers. Um, and so, you know, within that total sum, our thought is if we could move 1%, 1% of the budget to support soil health, that could be 800, and no, that could be $8.5 billion. If we move 5%, that could be, you know, 25 billion dollars being invested into soil health. And, um, and so essentially our, our big idea was, can we move the public's perception to that the, the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible can come through regenerative agriculture, through regeneration. It can be a solution to uh, climate. It can be a solution to our human health epidemics. You know, we've been sick and in turn, you know, unhealthy, which makes us vulnerable to, um, you know, things like the, you know, the, the, the pandemic, because, you know, because we don't, we don't have a strong immune system. Many of us are not healthy and well. So we're just much more susceptible to um, things such as that. So that this is a, this is a way that we can unify. And that, again, we're also in a moment of total polarization of uh, right and left. And could, yeah. could soil um, be uh, our common ground? Could we see that regenerative agriculture, rural economies, our food system, healthy nutrition, uh, clean air, clean water can be a place that we can find some unity on and that we can actually um, invest our um, tax dollars into? And so, you know, we've been, we've been working on this on a year and a half. The farm bill goes into effect um, in uh, September of 2023. 
And, you know, we've got about 10,000 people supporting the campaign, including 2,000 farmers and ranchers. Um, we have a farmer leadership council of farmers uh, from different regions, agricultural districts across the country that are we're, we're kind of elevating their voices and having them be the spokespeople of this campaign. You know, we're showing up at um, farm bill listening sessions and kind of a big historic moment for Regenerate America was um, about uh, three weeks ago, we... Um, we brought together some experts for the first ever congressional hearing on regenerative agriculture in Congress, where uh, David Scott, who's the chair of the House Ag Committee, acknowledged that Kiss the Ground was his the awakening of the importance of soil health and regenerative agriculture and why that needs to be a priority. Um, wow. And it was a, a, a pretty cool moment to be, um, you know, having this idea in my living room with you know, three friends seven years ago, and then seeing, you know, my co-founder Finian sitting behind uh, the chairman, you know, as he acknowledges that kiss the ground is the, is, is the thing that's really awakened and had him take, take this path and then prioritization of soil health and regenerative agriculture. Um, wow. How cool, so, man. Congratulations on that. I mean, I know it's only a step in the journey, but that's really cool. Yeah. So it, it, it's, um, so really, you know, the, the, the way that people can get involved is, you know, we're, we're building a coalition. We have 95 organizations uh, that are part of this coalition. So if you have an organization um, that you think or, 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 or is thinking that is invested in changing our food system to make more nutritious, healthy food, or also, you know, in, in interested in climate solutions um, or farmer prosperity, um, you know, we're, we're definitely... Um, building this coalition. Um, so if you're an organization or brand that would want to be uh, a part of that, please email us um, at info um, at kisstheground.com. And um, yeah, please check out regenerateamerica.com. And to everyone listening, um, you know, we're, we're hoping to get uh, a million plus signatures to support uh, this campaign such that we can show there's a, a big citizen uh, support around um, this message in the same way that Satguru, you know, is getting, you know, lots of people to, you know, sign on and be uh, a voice for healthy soil, save soil, hashtagging that getting, you know, I think they got somewhere like a, between a billion and 3 billion uh, impressions around that message, which again, is just remarkable. Um, how can people, um, how can people add their signature? Where, where do they go? How do they do it? Yeah. So go to regenerateamerica.com. Uh, check out our campaign video and sign on to support the campaign. Join the 10,000 people that have already signed on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're calling for the, the choir of voices to really uh, sing the song of regeneration together um, such that we can have the, the confidence and strength to push uh, these, you know, we're, 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 we're at the table with, you know, the, the highest folks at the USDA, uh, as well as, you know, the congressional, um, you know, House Ag Committee and decision makers there, but they need to know that there's constituent support. And so that's the way that everyone listening um, can get involved and, you know, use their, use their voice to strengthen the party that is behind this bipartisan um, initiative. That's awesome. You know, as, as I hear you share, um, something that comes to mind is, is um, many years ago, I did a, I did a program, a coaching program. And in one of the small group shares, 
there, I, I don't remember the instructions, but this, this woman shared, there were like two, two or three of us. And she said, you know, every morning when I wake up, I say a prayer that, that God will put someone in my path that I can help. <laughs> and I was like, people do that. Like I never even occurred to me that there are people out there who are like oriented towards service so much that they're praying for opportunities to help. But mm. the reason I share that. Mm, it, that's powerful. Yeah. I was like, that was so cool. And she was just this humble, you know, woman. And, mm. and I always remember this lady, Natalie, mm. but the reason I think that comes to mind is I'm sitting here listening to what you're doing going, I'm so glad you're that you're waking up in the morning looking for the opportunity to serve in this way. Because again, for me, before I encountered you, this was like, oh, I, I didn't know there was a the farm bill was like every five to seven years or what it, you know, contained or how it might impact my life. But I'm glad that, that you are, and I'm glad you're enrolling me and other people in this. So I think, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we think about you know, our food system is the nexus of everything. It's the nexus of our environmental health because the majority of the way we manage our land is through agriculture. So it's the nexus of environmental health. And then it's also everything we produce from that land, much of it goes into our mouth. So it becomes the environment of our bodies. And yeah. so, um, you know, if we don't go upstream and have uh, healing and regeneration happen there, it's definitely not going to happen downstreams um, in our bodies as the environment that captures um, that. And so, you know, I think it, it, it really is the, 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 the place that we can make a big difference um, is uh, taking care of our land. And it's, you know, it's the most fundamental essential thing for all of us is our, our food and where our food yeah. comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, Ryan, I know we're, we're coming down the stretch on our time here yeah. and, and we've covered a lot. Uh, I want to go ahead and transition us to a portion of the interview. I call the enlightening lightning round. <laughs> it's a series of questions on a variety of topics, mostly unrelated to what we've been discussing. Great. If you're good with it, let's, let's go. Do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's go there. All right. So question number one, please complete the following sentence with something other than a box of chocolates. Life is like a beautiful gift. Okay. Question number two, what is something about which you have changed your mind in recent years? I ate my first hamburger at 35. Wow. Okay. I might come back to that. I'm curious. Uh, question number three, how was it by the way? I ate it all the way through. I understand it was a cow that you slaughtered. Is that right? Or it was on your property or something? Yeah, it was one of yeah two cows that uh, me and my dad took ourselves through the process of on-farm slaughter um, because we really, yeah, we started to see the essential nature of animals being part of a living ecosystem that was thriving and that to be part of that living ecosystem that was thriving life and death was part of the architecture. Um, and that was inescapable. And so we wanted to participate in that in the most present way, um, and walk ourselves through, uh, that humble process. Um, and it was, um, yeah, it was deeply moving and sad and, um, and beautiful to just 
be that present with life and death and, um, and, you know, with the intention of stewarding a piece of land in a way um, that ultimately a bigger life, knowing that we were taking a, you know, a part of the life, but that, that life became part of the bigger life. And that, um, you know, there, there's a beautiful Wendell Berry quote, who's one of my idols um, and just amazing poet and writer who said, every day we break the body and spill the blood of creation. If we do it knowingly, carefully, and reverently, it is a sacrament. If we do it with greed, carelessness, and uh, greed, carelessness, and gluttony, it's a desecration. Um, and yeah, it, 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 you know, when we can, um, yeah, when, 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 when we can participate in life and death and what I said, or when I first started in this presence of gratitude for thank you for your life, becoming my life and for giving life to others. Um, you know, the, the, the consciousness of, um, taking life, knowing that it is the succession of a continuum of life and being in the state of gratitude is something so beautiful. And I think, um, yeah, that, that, that is something that is not a conversation or a way of being that many people in contemporary times, um, have, you know, are, are connect to. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I know we could, we could have started our conversation here, right? But the, there's so much to this. And, and, and the thing too, you were sharing earlier, I didn't, didn't um, explore it with you, but this idea, someone told me, you know, part of what it means to be indigenous is to have a connection to the land, like to have a historical one, but to preserve it and have a relationship with it. And, and uh, you know, I've heard if we go back far enough, we're all indigenous, but you know, we're so mobile now and disconnected that we don't, I think by and large have that connection to the land and the connection to the life that the land, you know, gives rise to and, and so forth. And, and what you're saying and, and how life seems to be so fast also and about accumulation and consumption, right. That we don't see this. I, I'm waxing philosophical here and it's not even necessarily a, a, a question, but I, I it's just amazing. This, this whole thing comes to me, you know, comes up from this, I ate a hamburger <laughs> that that was the thing. And then the reverence for the life and the connection to the land. And it's, it's really, it's really moving to me, man. And I wish, I wish we could, I wish I could get myself. Like you talk about having amnesia a few times you've mentioned that, and that really resonates with me, but um, I want to live in that space of remembrance about the sacredness mm. of life. Right. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Me too. Me, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm present to it and share. I'm not always present to it. I'm, I'm present to it. And I, it's like, I'm, I'm sharing it. And now I'm hearing you share it back with me. And it's becoming, it's becoming a real experience that, mm. that sacredness. And, you know, we, 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 I can tell from what you've shared, like, yeah, that experience of ceremony coming together in circle um, before uh, 
the the creator or before a what mother earth or before you know the however we want to articulate the 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 life of um this greater intelligence that we're a part of and um and 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 remember our smallness and our insignificance and yet also our to use your name our brilliance and our beauty and you know the, the 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 most beautiful thing in life is being so humbled and pummeled to where we're just <laughs> flattened yeah. and then and then at some moment there is a little whisper rise rise up and, and rise up and be the beauty that you are in, in you know in, in 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 my image and likeness in my in my in my glory uh, and however you know whether that's mother earth uh, whatever sort of archetype is, is sort of calling us up to stand after we've been pummeled is, you know, is, 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 is an architecture. And I, I've always, I've oftentimes thought that like, oh my God, the idea of having ceremony as part of a regular life, of course, because th- that's the, that's the tattoo. That's the thing that yeah. comes, brings us back to remember that we, we know we're going to, the, the design is that we're going to forget. So unless right. you have an architecture to be pummeled and humbled <laughs> to remember, <laughs> uh, who we belong to and who we serve and then, and then, and then be in that space of reverence, um, you know, we're going to forget and we're going to live in forgetfulness. Um, and so the, the design of having a, 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 a coming back to, or a, a way that we can recenter that is, is important. And I certainly haven't found it as like a, the answer, but just that I'm just present to it now and seeing the opportunity of having that, as part of a life design um, because, you know, it's, 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 it's so important. It's everything. Yeah, I, I agree. And that, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep, keep us moving. <laughs> I know there's more conversations to come, so I'll meter myself here. Okay. I'm going to get us back in the enlightening lightning round. If you're good, here we go. Yeah. Question number three. So if you were required every day for the rest of your life, to wear a t-shirt with a slogan on it or phrase or saying or quote or quip, what would the shirt say? Be love. Okay. That's a gimme. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> so what book have you gifted or recommended most often? Autobiography of a Yogi. <laughs> oh yeah. That book yeah. changed my life. What's that? That book changed my life. Yeah. Um, I've read it a couple times. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with that one. How um, did it come into your life? Uh, I, I actually think it came into my life um, after going to the the center and sitting uh, at, at, at Lake Shrine um, in off Sunset Strip and 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 sitting in a meditation and a service from that and um, I actually. You know, I um, I went through with a friend. He bought me the book. He bought me some photos. Um, I, I had a moment where I went and looked in, you know, uh, Yogananda's eyes and just, you know, bawled my eyes out. And what was present was just like, uh, like, I just got, I was like, oh my God, this guy loves, like this guy is, <laughs> he's just, he's just like, 
He's only there to just pour love. And I was just like, oh my God, like the, the degree to which that purity of love that was peering out of those eyes in a still photographer. I, I mean, yeah. it was, it, it, I know people have had those experiences with like a photo, but I, I hadn't had that experience. Um, and so, yeah, I was, um, and then it, it, it kind of also ties into my sort of family lineage. Like at, I, I think my dad, tells the story that he read it when he was like 16 or 17. Um, and so it was kind of the thing that started him on a spiritual journey. Um, and so it also kind of has a, 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 a um, yeah, a, a little family um, lineage of, of thread. Wow. Right on. That's really cool. Okay. Question number eight. I'm sorry, eight. I'm jumping ahead. Question number five. So you travel a lot. You've traveled a lot in your life. What's one travel hack, meaning something you do or something you take with you when you travel to make your travel less painful or more enjoyable? Mm. This is such a lame answer. <laughs> uh, I get a window seat. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, I mean, basically, I sleep. I, I'm really good at sleeping on planes. So uh, I basically can just fall asleep. Um, you know, um, uh, but I'll say, you know, I, I always take off your shoes. Uh, if you're on a flight, uh, allow, allow your feet to swell and, you know, and not, and not, not in, wrapped up in the, um, so yeah, take off your shoes. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. It's <laughs> okay. good. It's often the little things. And what's that saying? It's better to travel well than to arrive. <laughs> okay question number six uh what's one thing you've started or stopped doing in order to live or age well physically i, I just hit 100 push-ups for the first time ever in a row 100 push-ups so um, I, i've been you know I, i've been consistently in my body pushing my body to small um limits not like you know major things but um, you know, I, I got to 20 pull-ups this year and a hundred push-ups this year. Um, and so staying in my body, um, has in a, in a consistent way has definitely, um, allowed me to be, um, and then, yeah. And, and then I, you know, I just, um, yeah, doing d flexibility, stretching, oh, you know, doing some yoga, uh, I, I can so see that just like my mind can start to contract and, and, and kind of get smaller as I get older, our bodies too. Um, so how to just continue to keep um, open, flexible, gentle, and willing. I love that. Okay. Question number seven, what's one thing you wish every American knew? One American knew. Every American. What's one thing you wish every every American or every U.S. citizen? Mm, uh, that their health, uh, that their health comes, that human health comes from uh, soil health. Okay. Question number eight. What is the most important or useful thing you've learned about making relationships work? Apologize a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. And question number nine, aside from compound interest, what's the most important or useful thing you've learned about money? 
Yeah, I, I think that this is embarrassing to say because it's such a, a the thing that I've learned about money is um, how much you make, how much you spend, and the if there's if there's if you spend all that you make, there's ultimately you're going to have to work forever. Otherwise you're not going to, otherwise you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, exist. So consider that you can't spend just what you make because ultimately at a certain point, you're not going to want to work as hard, um, and make as much to sustain life. So, uh, yeah, you gotta see there's a, you gotta, you gotta make sure your, uh, make and your spend creates a, a profitability and a, a surplus to, uh, save. Otherwise we're going to be in a tough place at some point. Mm. Well said. All right. Well, congratulations. You survived the enlightening lightning round. <laughs> so you did great. And, uh, speaking of money, one thing I want to let you know is something I have done in an attempt to share my gratitude to you for making time to share with me, your experiences and your wisdom. And with everyone listening is I have gone on kiva.org, the micro lending site. And I have made a hundred dollar micro loan to a group of entrepreneurs in Guatemala who will use this money to buy a cow and thread. This seems like a non sequitur, but, but at any rate, it's a group of women there called the Rosas de Tunaja. Um, and so this group of young women will have some livestock as a result of this and use that to improve the quality of life for them themselves and their communities. So thanks for giving me a reason to do that. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for, um, thanks for that expression of thanks for that trophic cascade of generosity. Um, oh, my pleasure. Just yeah. glad part of it. Well, with that, that really brings us to the last part of the interview. And, and as you acknowledged, usually I interview authors. So this is the part where I ask about writing <laughs> and the creative process, which we can still talk about. Um, but I just have just a couple last questions for you. Beautiful. Uh, if you're open about creativity and about your creative process and about how you take an idea from like in a tactical way, and if there's any tools, if there's any frameworks, if there's any processes, you know, software, like what do you use to keep an idea? We talked about how you keep an idea in existence with a community. And so forth, but in a practical way of project management, time management, you know, research curation, like all this, like what is useful to you as a creator? It's kind of, this is a big question, but yeah. <laughs> there anything related to, to that? Yeah. You know, I think the, the honest truth is, um, you know, we didn't really get into this, but I have, you know, massive learning disabilities mm. um, and um, you know, dyslexic and read at a very slow level. Um, my writing is, you know, not that great. Um, and, you know, so I oftentimes think that sort of like, I didn't go to college. Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, one of the things that I sort of carry with me is that I'm, um, you know, ill-prepared to be, in the position or doing the things that I'm doing. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I actually, you know, my, my um, sort of the, the structures of uh, creativity and uh, being a creator, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm still in early days of 
seeing that I, I, I need some help in how to, um, how to really um, guide and focus creative energy to be, um, you know, fruitful and expansive. You know, I, I have some of the things that I've shared, um, but as far as sort of techniques, um, you know, I don't, you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't have, I don't have a lot to share in that. Um, um, yeah. I, and maybe, maybe I'll just allow you to share um, some that you've actually learned um, with me uh, as far as, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and maybe your audience can get some value from that. So, um, sure. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I'd love to being that, you know, in the spirit of reciprocity, be great for, and, and the school of living, um, you know, what have been some of the tools and techniques for you, uh, to, uh, time management to create focus on, uh, creative projects and bring those forward. Yeah, no, I'm happy to explore that a bit and to to share some of what I've learned and what I've heard people, you know, say that they use and and it runs the gamut, right? From philosophies and the ways of thinking of things to um some specific practices. And I would say like as a framework, one of the biggest things is is having a, a routine, having some, some kind of routine for for one's life. Right. And while it's not a prescription for everyone and it, and it's highly adaptable, uh, I, I personally, I know there's almost a cult following in some ways around David Allen, uh, David Allen's work of getting things done. Mm. Do you know this? Mm -mm. Yeah. He's a kind of a time management and productivity guru. And he wrote this book probably 20 years ago or something, but he has some really practical things that at the heart of them is it is routine and it's process and the calendar is yeah. really the central thing. Yeah. Right. And it's, um, I forget what Tony Robbins, he has a saying that I think is just great when he's like, what's talked about is a dream, you know? Yeah. I mean, definitely, um, you know, calendar, having things on the calendar, if they're not in existence in time and space, they're not going to happen. So yeah, that's definitely something that I'm, um, you know, present to, you know, I've been, I've been reading the book, uh, uh, what's the, something about uh atomic habits have you had oh, that yeah, author clear. yeah um yeah. and you know stacking doing yeah, doing stacking. doing new things newer habits attached to habits that are already happening such yeah. that you know that that you can so i've been doing that with like a meditation and then a physical um exercise and then even some reading um or, or, or some journaling. So stacking those things together versus doing them separate at different times. Mm. Um, so that's been something that has been, uh, newly being explored and has been, has been effective. Um, yeah, another one, this is, I've heard this before, but I've taken it on this year, making my bed every morning before I start everything oh, yeah. else. That's this been that, an, that's been admiral, an, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah. that, that's been really, it's, it creates this completion of like, um, you know, tucking some, making something complete before, uh, you know, starting the next thing. It's kind of that integrity, um, yeah. you know, touching it, completing it, um, such that, um, you can have the clear headspace and to, to move forward. Um, and the momentum, right. As silly as it can sound of like, okay, great. I made my bed, but there's this sense of like, all right, I'm, I'm. I'm mastering this day and I'm building some forward momentum for myself. That's right. 
That's right. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean the, the journaling, writing things out, um, you know, I, I, I've definitely found that, you know, helpful. Um, and sort of, I, I haven't gotten into what I could, w- would consider and could consider like, uh, a level of mastery and, and practice in sort of the, you know, creative articulation of an idea, writing it out, having, you know, some process with that is still kind of hit or miss and happens and doesn't happen sometimes in my process. How about Mm. for you, as far as ideas, um, where do you, where do you put them first and how do you move them forward from sort of a, a concept into yeah. So I've got, I've got a couple places and one of them is Evernote, you know, that okay. I'll have a little file that I'll call things to write about. Um, and then I just, if it's a thought or, or it's something, I do have a separate place for quotations. I'm a huge lover of quotations and yes. it's how I discover a lot of people's work is I'll hear one quote and then, you know, it'll inspire me to go look at an entire book or, you know, at least read their Wikipedia page or something. So I'll have a Evernote file for ideas to develop at a later time, possibly. Another one for quotations. I have a, a place in Trello. I don't know if you ever use Trello. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty cool tool. And I have one there for links. Um, you know, that not that I necessarily want to read later, but I actually have a little place. I have a weekly newsletter that I that I um park things that I might include in that. Mm. So that that's one thing. And then ultimately, again, as we were discussing just a minute ago, a few minutes ago about the calendar, and this was the thing that Tony Robbins had said. I love the way he describes this. He says, if you talk about it, it's a dream. If you envision it, it's possible. But if you schedule it, it's real, right? So I tend to think of this, I tend to think of like life or any creative project as really keeping one's word in existence and then being in integrity with that. And if I can have a system to do that, whether that's on an action list for a future time or a place to delegate, or it is my own calendar, that it's more likely to get done. But I realized like maybe the practicality of this is in, in your work is with the, the kiss the ground production process, right? Like if you had weekly meetings or, you know, you had certain teams, if it was researchers and then there were writers and, you know, maybe there's the, of course, there's a whole marketing you know, thing like that. But what, what did you guys do to get that done? Um, well, that, that was again, a, a, a collaborative process over seven years oh. uh, with two filmmakers that were, um, you know, not in the kiss the ground, the organization, they were a separate entity. So it was, you know, it was lots of um, meetings and essentially brainstorms and, you know, creative um, sessions that mm-hmm. led to, uh, and then, you know, again, because I'm kind of like, I have an idea and I want to get, I get in communication. So there's, it's, it's kind of like back to that idea of like, have an idea, get in communication and get it, get it captured with someone who can maybe hold that idea in existence, in a calendar, in a, a process and, and schedule a meeting around it. Um, yeah. so that, um, because oftentimes my sort of learning disability, you know, can, can lead to not feeling like I'm going to be able to build the agenda and hold the, the whole thing and to, to, to work it all out. So it's kind yeah. of like finding the, the, the person who can hold the idea and then schedule the time and the creative people around it to sort of unlock it and, 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 and make it grow. 
Well, let's, let's go ahead and wrap then. Um, with this, I will just say, uh, I'll invite you. If you looking back on the 105 minutes or so <laughs> that we've, we've spent together now, feels like a journey, doesn't it? Holy cow. Yes. Yeah, it does. Um, what, what would you leave people listening with? What advice, what encouragement, what request, what anything, what at the end of this time together feels appropriate to leave as the final, final thought, final words. Mm. Yeah. So, um, really, uh, nurture the inspiration that's on your heart and create a community around that inspiration, uh, such that that inspiration can grow into, uh, things that serve our mother earth and serve, um, our each other serve our, 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 our community. And, um, you know, if you're inspired about regeneration and you heard something there, please check out kiss the ground, the movie, uh, check out kiss the ground.com, uh, check out our work there. And also, you know, if you want to use your voice for a healthy food system that is healing our bodies and also healing mother earth, please, um, send your, uh, signatory and your, 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 your collaboration within the, um, community of people supporting regenerate America and sign on, uh, that, uh, coalition and pledge, um, would be my ask. And, uh, thanks for listening. And I hope, uh, something that came from my heart touched your heart. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the School for Good Living podcast. Before you take off, I just want to extend an invitation to you. Despite living in an age where we have more comforts and conveniences than ever before, life still isn't working for many people. Whether it's here in the developed world where we deal with depression, anxiety, loneliness, addiction, divorce, unfulfilling jobs or relationships that don't work, or in the developing world where so many people still don't have access to basic things like clean water or sanitation or healthcare or education, or they live in conflict zones, there are a lot of people on this planet that life isn't working very well for. If you're one of those people, or even if your life is working, but you have the sense that it could work better, consider signing up for the School for Good Living's Transformational Coaching Program. It's something I've designed to help you navigate the transitions that we all go through. Whether you've just graduated, or you've gone through a divorce, or you've gotten married, headed into retirement, starting a business, been married for a long time, whatever. No matter where you are in life, this nine-month program will give you the opportunity to go deep in every area of your life, to explore life's big questions, to create answers for yourself in a community of other growth-minded individuals. And it can help you get clarity and be accountable to realize more of your unrealized potential can also help you find and maintain motivation. In short, it's designed to help you live with greater health, happiness, and meaning so that you can be, do, have, and give more. Visit goodliving.com to learn more or to sign up today.